listening to Splash with Shalene Bryan. Get ready to be splashed with love and laughter to rehydrate your soul. Another episode of Splash. I'm Shalene Bryan here with my buddy Barbara Cameron. Hello, everyone. Ready to splash you with a little love, laughter, and encouragement to rehydrate your soul. Amen. And during this COVID 19, buddy, it's so cool because I can get these like A list type people um, on the podcast because guess what they're doing? They're at home. I know. This is amazing. <laughs> Everything now. It's so great. Yeah. And the event that Candace did in Kirk <laughs> yep. that was huge online, it was, it was amazing. And it makes me think about our next guest, mm. women with voices. You yes. know, you think of Adele, you think of Oprah, Melinda Gates, these people who have these voices mm. and that have stepped into their influence. And this is exactly what Joe writes about in her book that just came out this week, oh. Ready to Rise. Oh, I can't and I wait. love it because it's like, own your voice, gather your community, and step into your influence. There you go. Come on, women. That's like, right. lean in right now. Mm. We need this. We need to get yes, splashed by her in a big way. So please, welcome to the Splash Zone, Joe Woo! Sexton. Oh, hi. Yay. And you're, you guys are all going to fall in love. You're going to fall in love with her accent. I know. I did. <laughs> Thank you. That's so lovely of you. That's such a kind introduction. Okay, couldn't you listen to her all day? So I need to just let everybody know, I have the hardcover book. It's right here. Matter of fact, we're going to be giving one away um, to a listener. But I would suggest not only getting the hard copy so you can underline and stuff, but I actually got it, uh, the book on, yeah, audio, Audio? because she reads it. Just because I love listening to her voice. I go for a walk. (laughs) Yes. She's like, ladies. And I'm just like, oh, Joe. By the the time you come back from your walk, you're talking to your husband that way. I'm like, she a little bit of water. It looks like she. He looks at you a little differently. It's like, oh, honey, I love the accent. Yeah, Joe's going to help you in every way through this book, ladies, okay? Um, she's ready to rise, let me tell you. Um, but I, you are an esteemed author, speaker. I've gotten to share stages with her, mm. buddy, as you know, and I sit in the front yes. row. And then her and I will go to have dinner after. And it's so funny. And Joe, you can confirm this. Every restaurant we go to, we try to get one like 10, 20 miles away. We'll be like every in time. the middle of like an in-depth conversation. You know, we're going to change the world. <laughs> between yeah. Joe and I, right? Yeah. And we're just dreaming and creating and encouraging each other. And all of a sudden, some women come up and they go, hello, can we get your picture? <laughs> like, we saw you at the event. We knew you guys were probably best friends. Could you, do you mind us interrupting? And we're kind of like, you already did. But yeah, I, I was really excited. And th- I was thinking about, I wonder how this podcast is going to go. I mean, because you got two women here <laughs> that are just on fire. I'm like, woo, this is going to be good. I mean, our dinners, they, they go for like till breakfast, you know? It's like so I fun. Did. It's so oh, fun. Great. That's awesome. Um, but the fact that you could take time and actually mm. tackle these topics that are not easy to not only speak about, but then to write about. Mm. And Joe is a woman that is not a jealous woman. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The difference Mm -hmm. of that, especially being in Hollywood, right? You know, they're not sizing you up. Like she almost like looks through to your soul. Like she cares so deeply. And that's why her podcast that she has, her um, leadership, she has a whole online Mm. leadership thing, which we're going to get into so people can join that if they want to and really switch the atmosphere in their life. But Joe, tell me a little bit about, for you, your background, because for our listeners, I know it, but Barbara doesn't. And, you know, you were born in Nigeria, but your story just a little bit. And then I really want to hop into the book and what made you write it? Because it's such a love letter to women. Oh, thank you. Um, I was actually born in London to Nigerian parents. Okay. okay. Um, See? Yeah, my parents moved over. 
Okay. So she was born in London. Yes. Hello, the Queen. Yes. Yeah, just down the road. Um, and <laughs> so my hearing parents and grew up in England. And um, I, I think I think what I and I, when I introduce the book, I tell you the story of the different generations of the women in my family and how they had to carve out paths mm. through unexpected circumstances. Well, I think that's true for many of us. You know, um, like our, the, the plot twist of our lives. I mean, we're in a, a, a massive plot twist right now, but I think we've all had plot twists in our story. And I, I think as I was growing up, I didn't often see leaders who looked like me or, or at least the stories that were told about them weren't the nicest ones because uh, um, right. of the racial tensions in our neighborhood. And I would have often said I was the last person to consider myself a leader because I didn't feel confident. I didn't feel in any way courageous. And I, and I had all these ideas that I just buried because mm. they were safer that way. You know, mm-hmm. um, I could entertain them in my own world. And and it was only as, as I grew older and, and um, had opportunity to meet with mentors and stuff, it, was, it felt like things were being pulled out of me. Ideas finally given permission to have some air mm. and some room and some growth. Mm. And during that time, would you say that you had found Christ yet or not? I, I did. Um, I became a Christian at the age of nine through my local Sunday school. I was um, the classroom bully. And um, and they invited me to church. I think they decided that God was the answer <laughs> or something. And and, um, and and I think like many, uh, my family, my wider family, there are people of all all faiths. Wonderful people, wonderful families, but different um, spiritual backgrounds and things like that. So wow. for me, the church was a place where I kind of unpacked and worked out what it meant to know Jesus, and I was so compelled by Him. I was so compelled by his kindness and by his vision for the world, actually, his vision mm-hmm. to make all things new. I just, even as a kid, seared my soul. But I grew up in, a, in the inner city in London, and, and I saw a lot, you know, people who encountered a lot of struggle as well. So my faith was quite a roller coaster ride. Mm. Yeah, um, for sure. I can't even imagine. I, it, was, it was just such a roller coaster ride. And there were the highs that were really high, and they were normally at a youth event. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, <laughs> so it's like, yes, I will do whatever you want. And then um, the lows were pretty low. And I, it wasn't, I, I, I would say the point of no return, I was probably about 18 years old and I saw a sunset walking home. Um, I saw the sunset on our apartment blocks where which we grew up. And I thought of the, the neighborhood and the suffering that my friends had been through, the struggles that people had, um, it was a very diverse neighborhood and just the journey of, the immigrant journey isn't an easy one. And so I, I knew of the struggles that some of these families had encountered, the pressures that we'd faced, the injustices people had suffered. And I thought, that's the best that humanity can come up with, shoving mm. us all in this, this area and forgetting us. And then I saw the sunset. Um, and I remember saying out loud, and I, I, I'd come home from work. It was like my summer job where I used to party with my friends and apparently sell shoes. And um, <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw this sunset. And I remember saying out loud, saying, you made this. And I don't know whether you spoke in seven days. I don't know whether you spoke in evolution side. And honestly, I really don't care. I just don't care. But I feel like I've backed the wrong horse. <laughs> because mm. if humanity can come up with these apartment blocks that have dehumanized us all, and you can speak and that incredible sunset is made, that's where I'm following. That's wow. where I want to go. Wow. And that was my turning point. I would like to say I turned around completely at that point. I did not. It was the summer and I was 18 years old. But I, I made a journey from that point onwards. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, That's a journey. Uh, and for, towards God. And, um, yeah. Beautiful. And took it from there. 
Yeah. Wow. And with this book, because, you know, I've seen you speak at Catalyst, at, you know, If Gathering. I mean, you, you're you on all the stages. This book was so, I mean, just knowing you and your mission and, and um, the online lead stories that people can check out on your website, joesaxton.com, which is awesome if you want to get even deeper into some of this stuff and unpack some of the reasons of your insecurities and why you aren't letting God lead you to your full potential. And Joe really helps you unpack that. But tell me, for you personally, your biggest message of hope that people gain from this book. I think the I think the biggest message, and I feel it's almost changed and maybe even intensified in the light of our current moment, but I think I would say that um, so many of us are are facing a landscape that we didn't expect. Um, I I talk in the book about going to take my mum out for dinner one year, um, a couple of years ago, and our whole neighborhood had changed, like where there used to be a grocery store, right. there was an embassy, everything was messed up. And I, and I couldn't drive around the neighborhood anymore. And I said to my mom, everything's changed. She just laughed at me. She's like, Joe, it changed years ago. <laughs> um, but I feel like we're in a moment where our landscape has changed irrevocably. And what we expected of our lives, what we expected of our safety, what we expected of who we were, has been massively changed. What we expected, who, who the heroes are, has massively changed. Because that grocery store... Um, worker who maybe you walk past is cleaning things so that you your life is safe. Seriously. Now. And that fruit on the table that you are able to keep your kids healthy in this time or yourself healthy in this time is picked by someone who can't go on Zoom to work right now. Mm. You know? Um, and and they are helping us live. They are helping us live and keeping our, our loved ones in, in ways. And I, I, But I feel we're all, we're all being stretched up with responsibilities that were not on the job description of our lives. And I think the message of the book is, even though the landscape has changed, you can rise from the ashes of this. Yes. Um, and that this can be a time, even in the pain and the agony and the stress and the fear, where God can uncover something new in you and lead you forward. That is so true, Joe. And it's interesting that you just said that because I was at Trader Joe's and I'm watching this young guy literally with a bottle of probably alcohol, and he's not not, not drinking alcohol, but uh, spray alcohol, oh, and mm-hmm. wiping down each cart like meticulously, mm-hmm, and then yeah. handing them to mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. So, because I'm waiting in line to get at mm-hmm. Trader Joe's, and so then he'd wipe the next one down. People would come out; they're not throwing it in the by their cart anymore, shoving it on the embankment or into the tree next to their car. The, people are more cautious about, you know, I touch this, bringing mm-hmm. it back. Then the kid takes it; he's spraying it down. So I'm standing in line for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and I'm watching him meticulously doing this with the mask and yeah. gloves, right. and then. I get inside the store and it's super orderly, like nobody's business. And the checkers are there and they're, like Joe just said, wiping down when you put your stuff up and all of it, right? And it was the first time I have ever, and I'm so embarrassed to say this, I always talk to the checkers and I I say hi and, you know, have a great day or da 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 da. But this time I looked at this young girl and I said, Thank you so much for working today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you that you came to work. Mm-hmm so that yeah. I could buy food for my family. Right. And she's like, oh, you're, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, we thank uh, the doctors and the nurses right. and amen, are the frontline people. Yeah. But there are frontline people like That's Joe's right. saying right now, mm-hmm. the kid with the cart and the that's woman right. checking me out at the grocery store, or the that's truck right. driver that's taking that fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. across yep. 
the country Mm -hmm. to get it to me that we don't see or that we don't notice that are literally rising up and stepping into their influence so that they can help us during this pandemic, which is absolutely insane. What I love that you did in the book that was just paramount, because I think a lot of times, and especially, you know, we're in 2020 now and conservative, real conservative people have a problem with women leading or sharing or talking about our savior. Mm. And I love the way, and, and believe me, I believe that my husband is the head of my home and I will submit under his authority because I don't want to jack up the flow. But I am every bit, and you know I'm a strong woman under God's control, I'm his SEAL Team 6, sister. And uh, Joe's got a strong husband too, and a couple of girls that are going to be in the White House one day. But anyway, she it, it's interesting to me because I love how you bring up Deborah and Lydia and mm-hmm. Mary and these people in the Bible, Esther, who saved a whole people group that God gave a voice to. And you were so good at unpacking that. Will you share Mm. in that one chapter you talked about how, I mean, and Lydia, you know, having this big old house and entertaining everybody. I mean, it's just the way you wrote it is brilliant. You guys have to get this book or the audio because you'll love hearing her read it to you. But Share with me the importance of this because this isn't a 2020 conversation. Right. Go back 2,000 years. It was so yeah. important to Jesus that he wrote yeah. and wanted to shine the light on these women in right. the Bible. And which woman in the Bible inspires you, Shalene, and why? Mm. That's what I came away with after I read your book. Mm. I'm kind mm. of, it made me want to unpack these women in the Bible so deeply that I hadn't before. And, I, and I've heard all yeah. the studies and we've spoken on studies like this, Joe, but I thought, yeah. wow, the way you shared this from this lens was so new. And I was like, ah, Shalene, which woman in the Bible inspires you, mm-hmm. inspires you and why? Because sometimes we walk around and going, I'm not seeing anybody doing this. Mm-hmm. And God's going, hello, yeah. go read the book, the Bible. I <laughs> yeah. left them all in there. I, I think that's, I think you make a really key point there because I think sometimes when we're talking about women being strong and rising up as their calling and influence, we're like, oh, we're just adopting the culture of the day. We're trying to be relevant. That's not what this is. God was always relevant. Mm. Jesus was always relevant. This isn't even us manipulating the text. It's just looking at who is in there and what they did, mm. who is in there and what they did and how they faithfully lived out their God-given call. And so what I love about Deborah is you see a woman who is a spiritual leader, who is a, who is a civil leader, and at a time of great need, uses her voice. Married woman uses her voice faithfully to that moment. And I think we need that. We see that with Lydia, who has, these are the resources I have. We see the women who are walking with Jesus. In Luke 8, we see Joanna, Susanna, and Mary, who were women with means, financial means, who supported the mission and traveled with them because the good That's news right. they'd encountered was too good to keep to themselves. Mm. And, um, and I think it's important for us to remember that this is, that the Bible doesn't condemn these women, accuse these women, they present these women, and they are, the, they are heroes of faith also. That's right. um, and that they are a reminder for, for all of us that actually the, the, the part of God making all things new in the world requires all hands on deck. In different ways, sure, but all hands on deck. And mm-hmm. we need to go, move away from, in, um, how can I put it? Uh, and Celine, I know you've met these women too. I've met so many women who are gifted, talented, um, called women who shrink their voice, who hide their gifts, and they call it humility. Right. They call it humility. And things aren't happening 
You know, what nonprofits aren't being birthed, what books aren't being written, mm. what visions aren't being launched, because we've hidden these things. And what has that done for human flourishing? The absence of these voices, the absence of these leaders, the absence of these women, because the, in their mind now, they've been told they're too much and that it's arrogant to want to see, to, to want to lead an organization. When actually the only reason why they wanted to lead that organization was so that people could be free. Mm. You know, and um, again, and maybe in this crisis and these times, we, are, we will be uncovering gifts we didn't expect or ideas and dreams. And I want to encourage us to push back to the heart of God who, in whose image we were made and just ask ourselves, what does it look like to be his hands and his feet in this world today? And let that drive it, not whether this ain't about us. Our, le- our callings aren't for us anyway. That's right. Our leading isn't about us in the first place. Mm. It, it, it was never just about us. And it's great if we feel some fulfillment from it, and it's great if we find some inspiration from it, but this isn't about self-actualization. This is about God making all things new. Mm. And so it's good. an honor to be part of that, and it's an honor to empower others to be part of that, because we are seeing lives change as a result. 100%. And you're seeing it right now, too, with the mom listening at home who's now not only (laughs) mom, wife, teacher, caregiver, nurse, doctor, um, PE teacher, um, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) chef. um, I mean, they're they're literally, the kids are in the home and this community is happening around the table. And it makes me just think of how... 40 days, how how significant 40 is in the Bible in 2020, 20 plus 20 is 40, and we're going through this thing, and it could mean nothing, but it's just interesting to me, and how women right now aren't apologizing for having a voice, mm-hmm. Yeah, where I think there was a lot of that going on, and there was a time when you lost your own voice physically. Yeah. Yeah, I read about that, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you know, the interesting thing when I lost my voice, and I went to see the doctors about it and stuff, and they... And they actually said, you know, when you lose your voice, it's not that it's missing, it's that it's damaged. And they told me all the ways in which a person loses their voice and it's stress and it's trauma and it's using it wrongly and relying on the wrong things. And it was was just this big image for me of what happened with so many of us, that stress and trauma have silenced us, that fear and anxiety or relying on the wrong things has silenced us and caused us to minimize our voice. And it was one of those moments where the natural things spoke of the invisible things to me and the ways in which we lose our voices every day. Mm. The stress of what will people think of me and the anxiety or the trauma of how people have responded to our voice and our gifts. You, you know, I'm, and, and again, as I speak to the two of you, you, I know full well that being strong in your circumstances has not always made people like you. Right. Has not always made people love you for it. It comes mm. at a cost. Mm. Um, but I do believe as we use our voices, the benefits outweigh the cost. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leaders aren't liked. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. If you're doing it to be like, find another job, make cookies. Make cookies. <laughs> Which well, Barbara, I'm going to have Barbara send you her mean chocolate chip cookies that have been on every set mm-hmm. in Hollywood. So she does know there how to make go. a mean cookie. Uh, Barbara, there you, go. you talk about in your book too, there's a, is, is it Scotland Night? Is that right? Yes. Tell me about that dinner that you put together for that group of ladies. They all didn't know each other. Uh, Well, you know, that's something I do on a regular basis. And I kind of put it from the way I've invested in women over the years is I gather women 
from from different walks of life and just kind of journey with them for, for a while. No, I just think it's brilliant. And I want our listeners to mimic this. Share what yeah. you did, the first one that you talk about in the book. So I talk about, I ask the question, what does disempowerment look like? <laughs> because mm-hmm. I think it's an Dis- important question to ask. Yeah. Um, what does it look like to be disempowered and and recognizing that the story of women in the church, not just women in the context of ministry, but whether they are business leaders, whether they're creatives, that it's been quite a painful story for many. Like the corporate woman who's like, I want to be involved, but all your gatherings are at times I can't be there because I'm working. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and what comes up to the surface is the story of women who felt overlooked. And I was reminded of the theologian Scott McKnight, who talks a bit about saying, you know, when we talk about women and stuff, let's talk about women ministering. Rather, mm. It's like a different, yeah. a different debate, saying, you know, can the women that you see in the Bible do what they did then in your context, in your church? Could Deborah be herself there? Mm. Could Holder live out her calling there? Holder, who was an advisor to the kings, who was called out to give advice to, to a king. Could that happen today? Could Miriam be who she was? Could Lydia, that entrepreneurial businesswoman who's also kind of got her thing in the church and helped basically plant the first church in Europe, could she be herself today? And I think it, it was just an insightful lens of these women who are very different, aren't they? Different ethnicities, different life stages, different generations, different gifts and different callings, all living themselves out. Could we do that today? I mean, just that alone, right. I think... Mm. Um, gives us some food for thought. But in terms of gathering women as well, I, I agree with you. I put it in there because I do want us to mimic it. We grow together. It takes mm-hmm. a village mm-hmm. to, to be a leader. And so it was important. I've, I've always found it important throughout my work and throughout my ministry to gather women in groups, to see each other, to hear each other, to celebrate one another, and to hear the, sto- hear the things that we often miss out on. Mm, I love so that. Good. I love that. When you hear that, buddy, what do you think? Barb, you know, just about gathering because Barbara naturally does this. Ever since Mm. I met her, it didn't matter people from all over, all walks of life. You've always had this desire to gather people together, Mm -hmm. your gift of Mm -hmm. uh, hospitality. hospitality, But did you ever feel that as a woman, you needed to shrink back from that, I guess is my question, putting you on the spot. Sorry, but because you you have a heart for that. Even today, since I met you at 21 years old to now, Mm -hmm. you naturally want to gather people. But have you felt silenced by that at times? At times, yeah. I think more recently. Wow. Mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think wow. I, it That's... was always a, a desire and a heart to bring people together and to, I mean, with my kids being in the business and um, having younger people come and feeling like they found a place kind right. of to call home or or to to gather with others that maybe they didn't experience. And, yeah. But I don't know. As I've oh, gotten yeah. older, um, I don't know. Yeah. Buddy, I'm 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 like my voice is getting silenced for some mm. reason, and I don't mm. know what that's all about. Mm. Ooh, mm. ooh, we're gonna that's we're gonna go, we're gonna go into one of uh, uh, Joe's sessions. <laughs> so Joe, <laughs> as the founder of Lead Stories, <laughs> tell what what. What would you think that that is as we get older? I mean, here, Barbara, you know, 70 this year, she'll be 70 in 2020. Um, But I mean, hello, you look 50, but she's, she's taking care of her mom at 96 Mm -hmm. or she 97, 97, Mm -hmm. her mom at 97. She helps, you know, her family, kids, Mm -hmm. grandkids. She's travels with me all over the place. She's on the board of skip one.org. What do you think that is? 
My observation would be that I think one, I think there is a sense, I mean, first of all, you're doing a lot. So there is the tiredness as well, because tiredness wears your voice out. Mm-hmm, um, and yeah, that, but I think, so I think that's one thing to consider. The other thing is culturally, sometimes as we, as we mature in age and I, I, as we grow older, some, I, I mean, and let's face it, in the Western world, the Western world idolizes youth. Mm. It, it sees youth as, it, as its most vibrant, most attractive. Yes. Most, mm. we, it idolizes youth. It doesn't, uh, whereas other cultures um, elevate the wisdom of experience in a different way. Oh, this is so that good, is Joe. So Come true. on, Joe. Keep, going. keep, go, keep talking, oh, Joe. It does. And so, you know, I mean, let's face it. Moses didn't even get started until 80. Come on. I mean, he lived his life. He'd made his mistakes. So, Barbara, I feel like you're just kind of warming up, actually. <laughs> I mean, I would just say, keep eating your vegetables because there's some stuff to do. And, um, Let's go. And there's some things to get done. Yeah. But I, and, and I think we have to keep on reminding ourselves that our calling does not have an expiration date. It doesn't. Mm. Our purpose, our gifting is... Now, I, I, I appreciate that in different seasons of our life, we emphasize different things. Mm-hmm. So what I did at 20, I don't do at 46. And what I do at 46, I may not do at 60. But am I still called? Yes. Do I still have something to give? Yes. Do mm-hmm. I still have a voice? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so my encouragement to you is to just make sure that the idols of our culture aren't becoming the ideals of our ministry. That's right. You know, That's that good. the That's things, really good. that the, age, the default... And and sometimes we sometimes we do it with the best will in the world. We're like, oh, you know, it's time for someone else to come through. Yes, it is, but that doesn't mean that you sit down and do nothing. You right. that you kind That's of right. yourself. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you quiet your voice. That means who do I invest in? And mm-hmm. and and yeah, there's a there's a mobility about it. We moved and we occupy different spaces as other people rise up. Mm-hmm. But there's still there's still things to offer. And there's still values to bring, and there's still, and it may not even be the things that you you expect. So, for example, sometimes we're like, well, society's changed. So, the things that the stories I would tell used to be about X, Y, and Z, and, and the world doesn't look that way anymore. Well, it doesn't, but the principles of what you've learned through hard times translate. Mm-hmm. The the um, love and compassion and self-sacrifice and resilience and longevity translates whatever tool we're using. So it may be that you have to pull out different tools from your toolbox and say, I don't, I don't talk about those tools as much anymore because those aren't as relevant. But these tools, timeless. I would say pull out your timeless tools and get moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Amen. I love it. <laughs> you talk about that too in the book about mm-hmm. teams and just, yeah. you know, yeah, I love that. I, I Expand on that a little bit about just not being so freaked out about leveraging relationships, I you mean, know, seriously. for investment. I'm like, if I can help a sister, I can help a friend, I can help a brother, I don't care who it is. Why would I withhold something mm-hmm. or someone I know that could exactly. then um, pursue the kingdom of God? I could be gone tomorrow. That's right. I could be gone Absolutely. tomorrow, and I'm holding on to what? Right. I love that you talk about end. that. I, and I think this, and I'm really glad you brought it up because in this moment we will, we may feel the scarcity even more and the vulnerability even more. But I think um, this is something that classically um, and data driven wise, classically women aren't that great at leveraging their relationships. They're not that great at. Uh, because they don't want to use people. Right. They don't want to, again, we're coming back to that thing of, am I too much? Am I not enough? And so they dumb down and they say, oh, I don't want to get in the, into networking because it's political. And it's like, it doesn't have to be partisan. It doesn't have to be political. It's just that if you have a gift and that person knows somebody else, why not tell them about it? 
I, I, I did this. Um, my husband let me know of a study that he saw on LinkedIn that said that 85% of jobs today are found through networking. Mm, I believe it. Yeah. 85%. So there we are trying to be that good worker, be in the corner, hoping that we got noticed. There, there we are <laughs> filling out our diligent resume in the best way that we can, but not giving voice to the fact that this is what we want to contribute. This is what we want to bring. And people just assume you're not interested and that you're happy where you are. Why? Because you're working so hard and you didn't say anything, <laughs> you know, and you didn't articulate it. But what we need to do is keep on, um, introducing each other to people, referencing me. If we've got resources and someone else needs it, how can we share and elevate somebody else's voice mm. um, and, and inspire someone else? So I'm always encouraging us to look for someone to encourage. Look for, and think of the, the skills you have. How can you share? Like, how can we be a brain trust for one another? How can we share, hey, this is what I've learned on the journey. These are some connections I've made. How can we keep on introducing? Because to be honest, guys are doing this all the time without the hand wringing that we do. Without the kind of, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Who do I think I am? They're not having those conversations, but we too often are. Mm. Too often we're not networking and building connections. And all what we do is we do it half. (laughs) So we build the relationship (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we don't ask for anything. And and I want to encourage us to do both. And And I'm not saying it's not vulnerable. It totally is. But no doesn't have to kill us. It just makes us say, that's a shut door. We'll try another one. Yeah, I think that that's the that's problem. So yeah. People can't say no. That's right. Share with our listeners right now some tips to give women who are struggling with that a voice. Yeah, I think when, when you're struggling with your voice, I think there are a couple of things to do. One, I want you to to think of some trusted friends in your life. No I of the word trust in. I don't mean that friend who is jealous of you and doesn't like you really. <laughs> so that's not the one you need. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not the person you that's need. That's not the girl. Your voice. You don't need the girl who's threatened by who you are. You can have coffee with her later when we can all go and see each other again, or you can have a happy hour virtually. But don't ask her this question. But you get, the, get the trusted friend and ask them, what are the things you've seen me do well over the years? What have you seen bring me alive? Because discernment actually does work well in community. It's a communal process. And then I want you to look back on almost if you gave yourself a timeline, what were some of the things where you felt you're most alive, most kind of doing the thing God called you to do? And what was it about that? Give yourself some time to work these things out. Mm. Then I would ask you, what are the hills you die on? Like your most passionate values, the things that you really care about. What are the injustices in the world that you want to change? Um, and, and I'm not saying you felt it since you were five. You might have just gone on vacation and seen something and thought, man, alive, that is terrible. Or... What are, the, what are the nudges, the whispers of ideas? What are the ideas that you're afraid of that you've kind of buried or you won't do anything about because you're afraid you'd fail? You'll find your voice in all of those spaces because mm. it's not that it doesn't exist. It's that it's been damaged by being buried. Mm. So, so those would be some starting points I would encourage people to consider. People getting splashed today, Ooh. Barbara. Let oh, me tell you. Tell you. <laughs> Ladies, I just had a wave come over me. Yeah, Barbara's coming out of the tsunami real quick. She's like taking notes over there like I've never like I've seen not, her, Joe. I, <laughs> I think we're going to have to fly her out to see you, Joe. Um, come on, let's do it. Let's um, but do there it. was a question that I, I is so, I'm so excited for you to um, splash our listeners with is, how do you think the best way we should be taking care of ourselves during this crisis because this has never happened before. I mean, in my lifetime and in Barbara, in your lifetime, we've never, this has never happened. Mm -mm. How can we take care of ourselves in this crisis? What is the best way we can do that? 
I would, I, there are three things that I'm, I keep on coming down to. One is um, give yourself permission to grieve mm. um, and don't get all terrible on yourself about it. Do you know what I mean? And so, yes, there may be someone in another part of, in your community who's having a difficult time in a different way, but your grief is your grief and you can't push it down or minimize it. You've got to let it be because otherwise it comes out sideways, normally in carbohydrates or alcohol <laughs> or something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you've got, you've got to give yourself permission to grieve. Um, and it may not feel you're getting through something or moving forward because it's so overwhelming, but actually this is integral to whatever we encounter on the other side is we grieve the, lo- the, the losses. And the losses may be a job. It may be a loved one. The losses may be a way of life. Um, you didn't sign up for your kid being um, educated at home and now you're a teacher. And the reason why you diligently moved into that neighborhood is because you love the school (laughs) and now you're missing the school. Mm. It's okay to grieve that. And also the other reason why it's important to grieve is because everybody in your household is grieving too. And so you're having to give language to your kids about what they're feeling and why they're acting the way they are and things like that. Um, And to your roommates and all of, and their fears. And it, it may mean every so often, like you give yourself a moment in the day. And I know when my kids were young, that was me locking myself in the bathroom whilst they watch TV and getting myself <laughs> a moment just to feel the feeling. You've yes. got to feel the feeling. And so that's the first thing I want, I want to encourage us all to do in this moment. The second thing is I do want you to look at where you're unexpectedly encountering grace, the gifts of this moment. Now, for some of us, those gifts are tiny tiny. So I'm not saying everybody's, there's a big, wonderful gift that we're all experiencing because we're not experiencing this moment the same. But sure. some of us, you are, you have been disoriented by the fact that actually you've enjoyed not feeling quite as rushed and you've enjoyed not traveling quite as much and mm. you've enjoyed this time. And I'm not saying you do anything about that now, but you've got to observe it. Pay attention to what that may be saying to you, what God may be saying to you in that moment. You've enjoyed, you've gone for walks and they've been more life-giving than you thought. Don't stop now. You know, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you take that maybe you found that that one time you were really angry at the family and everything, you couldn't cope with it, you walked out for a bit just to just, you, you you weren't leaving them, you were just taking a walk to breathe and you realized that actually helped you as you went back in the home. Make that a pattern in your life, taking a walk mm. just to give you a chance to breathe before you address the challenges. What are the little gifts in your life? And then the other thing I would say is what what has it shown you about how you need to grow right now? Um, Mm. maybe it's exposed some fault lines in your relationships and some broken pieces. Maybe it's shown you that there are some relationships that aren't relationships because when you needed them, they weren't there for you. Maybe it's exposed that you have been um, careless with your money, careless with your finances, Mm. and it's just become being revealed, or you have consumed and consumed and not put aside, or, you know, you eat more than you needed to, or you... Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's shown you things. And, and rather than condemning yourself, see it as a, an opportunity for growth in this moment. Maybe the growth is I need to head to a therapist. Maybe the growth is I need to do some kind of financial planning as a result of this. Maybe the growth is it's time to get out of debt. It's just time. Yeah. Or maybe the growth is my career, my sphere of career is not going to exist for much longer in this world. Now I need to start thinking of a new dream. Um, I think those are, those are just some tangible hooks for us. In, in terms of moving forward. So to think of the grief, to think of the grace gift, and to think of the growth. Mm. 
So good. Joe, we want to thank you so much for joining us in the Splash Zone today. You're amazing. I want to have you thank on every you. month. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I, want to, I want to have a, a pre-post and a post-COVID. You know what I mean? A present-COVID oh. and a post-COVID with Joe yeah, Saxon. Yeah. And those of you who are listening, I know you've fallen in love with Joe too. And mm. to learn more about her book, which is anywhere books are sold, but Visit her website. Yes. Visit her website, Joe, J-O, Saxton, S-A-X-T-O-N.com. This is a Mm, great book. book. It's a great book to do with your daughters or with your mother or your grandma and talk about, I mean, even you and I today, buddy, Mm -hmm. talking about and Joe speaking into that. The book is like a workbook. It like gives you principal things Mm -hmm. and it's packed with scripture. It's not just Joe's life. She's she's sharing scripture. This goes 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's so amazing. Amazing and praise God you opened your mouth, Joe. Yes. Joe's on Instagram. She's on Twitter at Joe Saxton. She has this uplifting podcast. Check out Lead Stories, which you can find on her website. But in the meantime, you guys, Mm. we're all in this together. Yes, we are. Keep splashing each other with love, laughter, and encouragement to rehydrate our souls. Until next time, let's splash and rise. Thanks for joining us today. Come splash with us at shaleenbryan.com.